Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Post. Hey, Michelle. Hello, Scott. Hi, everybody. <laughs> we, we've got we've got a loaded show today. This is all pre, this is this show is recorded, uh, mm-hmm. so we, we're not going to have any of our our people, our guests, our listeners here with us live today. Uh, but it's it's an important show because we're talking today about health advocacy and how to get the most or how to prepare for a doctor's visit. Yes. Before we do that, however, um, anything that you think we need to talk about? Well, do you want to say why we're not recording live? in august because there's something special in your life that i think we should brag about well it i mean sure. it's going to be after the fact by the It'll, time this happens it, it will still. be after the fact but i'll be <laughs> just coming off of it and yes. uh, still be in hollywood uh yeah for uh, a week august 22nd last week uh through uh, last night i will have been at the magic castle uh for a 28 show run uh, over there. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of time has gone into putting this show together. And mm-hmm. uh, I've essentially trained my whole life for this. So mm-hmm. uh, thank you for bringing it up. And yeah. in, the, in another show, I'll let everybody know how it went. And it'll be a lot of fun. Good, good. I think that's, that's, it's important to highlight our successes. You know, um, we recorded, or we did a live show a few weeks ago on um, how to stop stealing the joy from yourself and others. And we were talking about abundance and recognizing the abundance in your life. And part of the way that we do that is recognizing like some dreams that are coming true. And uh, I know for you, Scott, the magic castle has a near and dear place in your, Oh, did we ever talk about the time that you were on? Was it Josh's show? Oh yeah. Josh Gates live or Josh Gates tonight, actually. Josh Josh Gates live is his live show, but Josh yeah. Gates yeah. and, th- and they let them inside the magic castle, which never used to be allowed. It was so cool. Yeah. So it, they, uh, the production, I consulted on the show before it was ever filmed. Uh, and it was a show on secret societies. Yeah. And one of the things, one of the producers really wanted to do was film inside the, the magic castle, which is the building, the formal building, right behind it's a victorian mansion behind man's chinese theater it's actually modeled after a home here in my hometown of redlands uh the kimberly building yeah modeled that modeled after home one of the homes here and it's in the hills of hollywood and it's the uh home of the academy of magical arts which is a branch of entertainment and you have to audition to become a magician member there and so one of the producers wanted the show to be there. Josh actually used to work there uh, as a waiter. That's right. He said many, that on the show. Many, many, many years ago. And so a, a lot of strings got pulled and a lot of stuff got done behind and they were allowed to film there. So the castle is not open during the day unless it's a weekend, Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was, this was a midweek shoot and we got to go in with a film crew and film what you saw which was heavily edited down because it was an all-day shoot Mm -hmm. and it was just it was an absolute blast not only being in the magic castle in that kind of a setting but watching josh be so excited about getting to come back having Uh been later there at one point Uh and and now being brought in you know with other magicians and mentalists Mm -hmm rather than as a waiter. It was, right. it was pretty funny. Right. And he, he, um, so I had not really watched him too much before you went on the show and I've been watching since he's quite fun and he entertaining. Is, and he is like that off camera. Yeah. He, 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 he is nice and genuine. And that's what makes him, I think the discovery channel star, uh. um, you know, he is, he's made for a talk show. 
He's made for adventure. Yeah. Um, he is Indiana Jones. If, if, I mean, he and I were actually- In real life, Indiana Jones, yeah. He and I were, he and I were having lunch and uh, during, you know, the, the, the filming stops and you got to have craft services and they feed the cast and crew. And he and I were chatting about the Mayan empire and his favorite things and mountain climbing. The guy's freaking Indiana Jones. He wow. dresses like Indiana Jones. He does. And he, and he is just so excited when he talks about this stuff. Ah, that's so cool. That's so cool. So a- anyway, I, I knew we hadn't revisited that episode and I don't know um, it, how people can find it retrospectively, but I loved the episode and it was so fun to see you, you and Paul Green and, you know, the elders do a little performance because um, you're uh, you're a part of a secret society within secret society, yeah. the Academy so any, of Magical Arts. <laughs> anybody, anybody that wants to find it, they can, if, if you've got Discovery Plus on your provider list, you can certainly just do a search and it's called Secret Societies. Awesome. Uh, the, the name of the episode is Behind Closed Gates. Get it? Josh Gates, Gates. Behind Closed Gates. <laughs> uh, depending again on your provider, sometimes it's yeah. season four, sometimes it's season yeah. five. Josh yeah. has actually been doing this quite a while. Yeah. Uh, this is his fifth season. They just wrapped it up. Yeah. And so you can you can find it online there or write me and I'll tell you how to find it. Right. Okay. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you, you told people about it. I love it. And then uh, I, I love what you mentioned a few weeks ago on our session about creating your little book. So I hope people will reach out to you and get your PDF of of your uh, my wonderland travel guide your wonderland travel guide i'm so excited Uh, i know we're pre-recording this but i intend to get it today from you Ah. so send it to me limited offer fear of missing out if you don't get it missing out i want it Uh, yeah so so bottom you know just so that you know what we're talking about if you didn't hear the the prior episode a couple weeks ago uh, i wrote as a result of a social media post and input from people something called uh, welcome to wonderland a travel guide and i took stuff from lewis carroll and some of the illustrations from his original works that are in the public domain and put together this little 20 21 page pdf of 20 lessons that are applicable from the alice in wonderland story but in particular wonderland and uh-huh. it's, a tra- it's a traveler's guide to uh, Wonderland. And if you want it, just email me at sgrossberg at hotmail.com or find me on any of the social media sites at sgrossberg and DM me and we'll make it happen. Oh, I love it. I'm so not selling exciting. anything. There's nothing you can buy. This is just my little it's creative just your outlet. My fun. Your fun. So I, I think, I know you're a gentleman farmer and I just wanted to say, the best thing that I can grow like a crazy person is weeds. Oh, I can grow weeds in Florida like there's nobody knows but nobody's business. I have at least 10 different kinds of weeds in my garden that I have to constantly pick out. <laughs> you know what? This could be a show in and of itself because I will tell you, I use the weed metaphor a lot with people. Oh, do you? Uh, so? As part of their life. Well, the reality is you're not growing weeds, Michelle. They're growing themselves. Oh, yes, they are. Yes, they, they just are. Ha- they, they just happen to be invading your space. <laughs> yes, they are. That's a good point. Versus, again, as a gentleman farmer uh, here, I have so many different microclimates that I have to deal with depending yes. on the type of tree. You know, we've got oak. And I mean, you, you oak and fruit trees and you, you pick it. We probably got it back there. Uh, and we've now got animal friends who are living, visiting, flying through. We do too. Slithering through. Yeah. Walking on walls um, because now that everything's maturing back there, yeah. they're enjoying the microclimates too. Yes. And uh, because of that, I've, you, you know, you have to be aware that each tree is a separate entity mm-hmm. from the other. And there are different ways to care for it and nourish it. Uh, and I, right? You, you pick weeds, you pull sure. weeds, you spray weeds, but you don't <laughs> grow weeds. They do that all by themselves. So the idea here is keep the weeds out of your life. <laughs> I Back like up. it. I like it. And I think there's so much to learn from the the growth. Like 
you know, to say that we're all the same and that we all have to have the same goals, the same accomplishments, right? When we are each as humans, our own microcosm and, and why, why are we constantly comparing, you know, like the lemon tree doesn't look over at the fig tree and say, oh, why am I not growing figs? Yep. So it's interesting. And we too, we have like turtles, all kinds of squirrels. I I had a butterfly a little escapade happened to me yesterday, thanks to the lazy Susan, uh, black-eyed Susans in my garden, the yellow flower with a black center. And I'll, oh, we are growing jalapenos that are not oh my stressed goodness. out or not. And so they're not hot. That's a whole other metaphor, right? Like apparently the way that jalapenos turn hot is they have to be stressed. So they have to be like deprived of water and you know you have to like stress them out. That's how they get hot. Otherwise they're just like a bell pepper. <laughs> I had no idea what to like they're like I swear to you, they're about uh seven, eight inches, nine inches long. I get a book out of this, Michelle. Your (laughs) life is your life is like a bell pepper. (laughs) Yes. My life has been like a bell pepper. I am learning to be sweeter and less hot and spicy over time. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. So that those are the latest, latest and greatest in my life. It's all about the garden at this moment. Very cool. <laughs> anyway, anything going on with you before we hop into our? Topic? No, no. We we uh, it, it, as we are in the, the midst or end of of August uh, here in California, things are uns- are very hot. <laughs> no pun mm-hmm. intended to what you were saying. <laughs> and as a result of that, we I have to deal with the fact that our trees are, the fruit trees are stressed. And uh, believe yeah. it or not, I, I have discovered, particularly with the avocado, oh. that they can get sunburned. I didn't know oh. you can get a sunburned avocado and it doesn't go yes, well. Yes, you can. So yes. uh, it's, you know, all kinds of things that we can see. Like one, take. one plant needs a lot of water and some shade. Another plant needs to be stressed out to perform. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. And so again, you know, who knows, maybe we'll do a whole show on it, but uh, the, the attention right now uh, coming off the, the Magic Castle gig is just to get back into the, the orchard, the grove, and uh, make sure everything is coming along. We just finished our peach harvest. Uh, right before that was plum, uh, oh. the, or- the oranges and the grapefruit and the avocado and the lemons and the limes and we've got a tangerines. They're all, they're all coming in, yeah. uh, but, but I've got this whole little schedule spreadsheet map with everything when they're harvested, oh. when they come in, when do you pick them? How do you know they're ripe? Yeah. Oh, so you created your own spreadsheet as opposed to using a particular app. I've been, this is for another show and yes. offline, yes. but <laughs> I actually, I actually created a map. That I don't like, okay. No, I actually created a, an overview map uh, that has where every tree is and next to each one I can write based on my history with it because you you don't know yeah. when to actually harvest true. Until, until you ex- go through several seasons and we've been here almost three years now and I can now tell okay the you know this particular peach doesn't actually harvest every year well the Augusta Augustus peaches uh get picked in July and August Um, you know the plums are June and July and I start Mm -hmm. writing those on this thing so that Mm -hmm. I can look Mm -hmm. at it and go okay because uh, we're also potential periodically I have to do some type of pest control uh, whether it's merely spraying them with soap and water or it's doing some of the heavier duty or stuff and I you know you don't want to do that while the fruit is fruit. ripening. Uh-uh. No, because you want to eat that fruit. Yeah. So there's a particular time to do it. And you just, you get yeah. used to it. So a funny side note that I think probably will be another life lesson or part of a podcast at some point is um, our neighbors, there's a fig tree on our property line with our neighbor and it produces wonderful figs and they hate their fig tree and they were going to cut it down and we convinced them to keep it. Well, they had to, their military family, they're moving. So, so we're like, oh my God, they're moving. We need to propagate the fig tree. <laughs> we don't know if the new neighbors will keep it or let us have their figs because they didn't like the figs. So we got all their figs. Anyway, my point is, um, so I, I like watched probably 20 hours of different 
YouTube videos. I read at least another five hours of articles. We even had an arborist come in who has a degree in trees and gardens and stuff. And he was working on our trees and told me his version of how to do fig tree. I tried to propagate the fig tree with like 20 different, I don't know, probably 25 over the course of three months, 25 different attempts. None of them grew roots or became viable. Brian cut one fig branch, stuck it in dirt, and it's growing fruit. I can't there you not, it's go. a single little tiny skinny fruit branch. It's this, it's like, I don't know, two feet tall. It's just a branch. It's got leaves <laughs> and it's got like five figs on it. And it's just a, it's just a branch. That's now, now Brian, I've kept it alive and nurtured it since it started developing leaves, but he's the one that got it to actually propagate. So sometimes all the fancy little methods don't work as well as just let the fruit do what it do yeah i'm gonna throw something <laughs> out i was just looking it up but i don't see it i vaguely have remembered it you can take a potato and plant something in the potato and use the potato as a base to help you grow i, I i've heard that too i haven't done it yet but i've heard that <laughs> wow yes okay yeah. um today's show is all about health advocacy yes, and how to plan for a doctor's visit. And I'm going to expand this. I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Oh, good. I'm going to expand this just a smidge because it's happening to me and I'll go through this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what happens when I'm about to get, turn 65? Uh-oh, suddenly I got to deal with Medicare. Oh. And so we're going to talk about that because I've, got, because I've got some tips to help those of you that are in that age group here in the United I States. Love it. We don't have national health care over here like those of you who are listening to us overseas have. Uh, so uh, we'll talk about that as we go through it. Uh, but yes. Michelle, I'm going to you know, let you start this with the understanding that all bets are off on today. So we can talk okay. about anything from access to care to navigating the health mm -hmm. system over here how to mobilize and get your own support system or resources. Um, and one of the big things that I am a huge fan of is most people don't realize the advocacy that you not only can do for yourself, but that you can get people at the various medical provider locations yes. to intercede for you, patient advocates. So yes. let's, let's just start off because you were, I don't work with insurance, you do. Yeah. Um, well, I do and I don't. I do not accept insurance, but my clients, many of them try to take, not my coaching clients, because that's not usually covered by, by insurance, right. but my mental health clients um, who are residents of California, they will try to submit for at least partial reimbursement from their insurance. Okay. So insurance is its own huge nightmare. And I don't have a lot of good things to say about insurance. So they will remain nameless because I think Sometimes in the U.S., people go off on big pharma. Yeah. My experience is big insurance. Big insurance has, uh, like, I'll give you an example. Okay, so someone I know uh, close to me um, had a heart attack. They're doing really well. They're recovering. They're fine. But they were up in the mountains, and there was only a local little hospital and had to be medevaced down to a trauma center to do the procedure necessary to make sure they weren't going to keep having heart attacks, you know, and get stints and, you know, testing, blah, blah, blah. I was so worried about whether insurance would cover um, this, that, you know, the last thing you need to do in the middle of trying to recover from a heart attack is get stressed out about your yeah. medical bills. Um, <laughs> and so I, I really tried to help him understand that we can call his insurance. We can, um, together, I can help him advocate for it. We can, um, we can, there's, there's probably, he has a good reputable insurance company, nationwide insurance company. I'm sure that's going to be fine. He was just worried because someone else told him a story about being medevac somewhere and it wasn't covered. And now this person is worried about not being able to retire and having to take on a second job to pay, you know, and I'm like, don't do this. You're still in the hospital. Don't stress about this. Yeah. Um, and basically, in the course of it, one of the other things that concerned me was five years ago, his doctor saw some early precursor warning signs and tried to submit for heart testing. 
and the insurance company denied it saying it wasn't medically necessary. And here he is five years later having a heart attack that could have killed him and thankfully didn't. But this is why, and, and in all honesty, I find more of a problem. I find the problems in health advocacy are um, men who don't like to go to doctors and don't like to tell people when they're hurting or that there's a problem. So there's a challenge there, which I totally understand. We in America try to tell men that they shouldn't complain about anything. So there's advocating for men. There's of females who've had really negative experiences with healthcare providers and they have some trauma around it. So they really struggle just going to a new doctor or finding a new doctor. And then the elderly or the mentally ill, like imagine your brain isn't working great and you're forgetful and you can't keep up with the speed of a doctor. And now you've got to go in and get all this information and worry about whether you'll forget it. Well, you know, let, I, I want to stop you here because there are two two little takeaways that I I want to help everybody with that I've experienced myself recently. Yeah. Um, we have not, my wife and I have not taken a vacation a very long time, and we are going to be taking a vacation coming up in September, Yay. and we're going we're going out of state. And one of the things that I wanted to do was to ask my primary care physician, my PCP, mm -hmm. what do I do if, what do we do if mm -hmm. we get COVID? What do we do if we get sick? What do we do if blah, blah, blah. Most people, he was actually shocked. He said, thank you for asking that. Yeah. Because my question really was, can you just, I'm out of state. Go. Can you, can you get me a Z-Pack and send it to me, for example? Mm -hmm. And his, his comment was not anymore. Here's what I need you to do. If you oh. get sick, I want you to let me know, but uh -huh. I want you on the back of your insurance card, by the way, this show presumes that you have insurance. Yes. Call your insurance carrier and tell them I'm out of state. This is what's going on. Am I authorized to go to urgent care? Am I authorized to go here? Am I authorized to go there? And yeah. he says, that paves the way and smooth things out. He yes. said, now I just want you, if something happens out of state, call your insurance carrier. That's what they're yes. there for. Now, yes. he also then told me a horror story. He yes. said he is currently battling uh, for an advocate for the client, by the way, uh -huh. Uh -huh. who traveled to Mexico. Yes. And they, they had an emergency situation. Yes. Fully covered by health insurance here in the United States. Yes. Got down there, got treatment and the... Uh, Mexican hospital staff, I do not know which hospital nor which part of Mexico this is in, uh, mm -hmm. but the, the Mexican staff said, we're not accepting your insurance. We're not letting you go until you pay us cash. Wow. <laughs> and they've been trying to interface that literally these people have needed treatment. And he is claiming that all that had to happen first was for this individual to have called the insurance carrier and uh. gotten authorization that the hospital is now down there saying that they couldn't have. Yeah. Um, Versus uh, other friends of ours went to Scotland, had an emergency, went in, got treatment on the way out. They're like, enjoy your trip home. And they're like, yeah. we don't owe you anything. I did, the like, I, nope. I did the same thing in London. Uh, I had uh, a situation, walked in, tried to treat it myself through one of their pharmacies, uh, yeah. went in, saw the doctor, got treated, got a prescription mm -hmm. uh, for an anti-infection thing. I had injured my thumb and said, okay, how much do I owe you? And they said, nothing. We have national health care here. I, know. I said, I said, but I'm not a citizen. Just go away. It's like, okay. Go away. <laughs> go so, away. So presuming you have insurance, if, by the way, if you don't have insurance and you're in, uh, it, it behooves you to find out which, um, hospitals are near you, no matter, you know, what country you're living in, because we do have some people living in another country. What is your healthcare situation? Find out what that is. Find out what's covered as a resident, a visitor, you know, a citizen, right? And let's say you're in the United States, there are certain hospitals that are government aided hospitals. They're usually called a county hospital, like in, in California, it would be uh, Riverside County Hospital, it would be LA County um, USC, it would be Harbor UCLA kind of thing. So there are these county hospitals that are um, uh, usually trauma centers that 
if you don't have insurance or you know you don't have the financial means to pay, they will work with you. The wait times are long and and terrible to deal with, but they're out there. My point is that they are out there. Um, find out whoever your local healthcare resource is, find out there is care out there. And then we can talk about how to just be a normal human with insurance and how to go in and advocate for yourself with doctors. Um, because that's a whole, you know, just trying to overcome either trauma or not wanting to complain, uh, trying to be strong, and then needing to go in, deal with a very busy healthcare provider and have success in your, because a lot of my clients will say something like, oh, I went to see the doctor and the doctor didn't say anything. I'm like, well, what did you tell him? I told him, oh, you know, they come in, they go, how you doing, Mr. So-and-so? And I said, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm like, okay, there's your first problem. Don't go to the doctor unless it's for a general physical checkup. Don't go to the doctor and lead off with, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? They yeah. assume that means you're healthy. Yeah. You know, and, and again, one of the th biggest, again, another takeaway for everybody here is uh, I learned a long time ago, most facilities and health groups yes. have patient bill of rights. Yes. Most people don't even know that. I know. Go take, take a moment and go look up the patient bill of rights for your primary hospital, your primary provider. You know, if you're on a, a, a private insurance plan, that may be a little different because you can pick and choose who you want. If yeah. you're on an HMO, then you're rep probably working within a group. There are bill of rights, which then allow you to have to tell you what you can go in and advocate for. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is something that we mentioned early on here. And that's that, again, most facilities, locations, and groups have patient advocates on board. They're there. If you're having a problem, you want a second opinion, for example, yes. or you don't you like know, your nurse or you don't I, like your I, doctor. I'll tell you, I had a situation where I had a doctor refer me to a specialist uh, a while ago. Mm -hmm. And if anybody knows the health system here in the United States, I couldn't get in. It wouldn't uh. matter. It didn't matter whether I had my own private plan or whether I had an HMO completely. It used to be if you were on a private pay, yeah, you got first class. Nobody yes. cares anymore. No, um, they're too for, overloaded. Not, and mm -hmm. and so I just couldn't get in. And it was like yeah. literally a six, seven month delay yeah. to get in. Yeah. I have the right to, I had and exercised the right to go in and say, hey, this isn't working for me. Right. You know, the doctor, my doctor, my primary doctor wanted me to see somebody within 30 days. Yeah. And they're telling me I can't get in for six or seven months. Yeah. I need your help. Yes. Um, now you can go back to your primary care physician who, by the way, in some cases can override insurance uh, mm -hmm. dictates, uh, mm -hmm. or if it's a hospital and you don't have the money to pay, for example, or you're not getting the care you want, for example, you know, don't mm -hmm. go in and demand a private room and right. you know, for first class treatment. That's not what the patient advocate is there for. The right. patient advocate is for you proper medical to care help. Mm -hmm for proper and reasonable medical mm -hmm. care. Yes. Yes. And they'll, exactly. and they'll help you. And and I'll go one step further. We've even had to use patient advocates. You know, a lot of times hospitals will try to discharge someone from the hospital to get them out of the system, to open up yes. the bed, et cetera. And we've all yes. had happen. If you haven't yet, you will. Mm -hmm. You know damn well that the patient shouldn't be let go. That's right. It the family happened. member shouldn't be let out yet. Um and if you ask, and I don't want you to abuse this, but if you ask for a patient advocate at that mm -hmm. point, mm -hmm. the discharge order gets delayed. Mm -hmm. and exactly. You, at the very least, buy yourself another day right, right. in the facility until right. the patient advocate can intercede. Right. Now, not, because not all hospital facilities have a patient advocate, they usually have something called a case manager. And ideally, they have a social worker. Okay, which is different than the case manager. And sometimes they can be a source of advocacy for you, both in terms of planning your release from a facility, um, getting you additional emotional support as you're going through this, getting you additional resources so you're not doing so much of the legwork on your own for the things that you need after an emergency or after a procedure. 
So there's, um, there's most hospitals, I would say, you know, they're in California, across the, the US, there are tiers of hospitals and the higher your tier of a hospital, like the level, the more you've had to justify to the US government that you can handle a lot of issues. And therefore you have to have things like some, like a child life specialist, because you work with children in the hospital and child life specialists can help children adapt to what they're going through, even if the patient is an adult Um, or they help children adapt to a procedure or what's happening. So child life specialists are amazing people, definitely my people, social workers, of course, are my people. And um, my partner, Brian and I, Brian was a travel nurse, so he knows and he currently works in biotech. So he knows a lot of the great hospitals across the country and we know what good healthcare looks like. And then because I was working in organ and tissue donation and consulting across the US and sometimes even in Europe, I would know what good healthcare looks like, right? So I I tend to have to be a pay, oh, and my first career was in insurance coordination. So I used to have to fight with insurance companies to get collegiate athletes covered for the procedures that they needed in a timely fashion. And I hate that world. Again, as a trial lawyer, I had to deal with insurance carriers. all the time. And while there are some good people, with yes. the emphasis on some, some, the reality is folks, insurance isn't there to pay you money. No, they aren't. So you have to be the squeaky wheel politely, yeah. respectfully, but let's take it all the way back to just, you're trying to find a new doctor. Can we just go back to the basics? Like I'm trying to find a new, I've moved to a new area or I don't like my doctor or I've got a new problem that's come up, or maybe I'm just going in to see, well, first let's start with finding a new doctor. Most doctors have their history and training listed online. So if you look them up online, you can find out where they went to medical school and what their specialty is and what their certificates are. So if you're going blind and you don't have a recommendation from someone or you're looking for a particular specialty, don't be afraid to do your research ahead of time and look at this person's credentials. And did you know that you could then take, like, let's say they went to University of Michigan Medical School. You can now look up how is University of Medical Michigan's medical school rated? And like, are they the 50th, you know, in the, which might not be bad. There's a lot of medical schools. Like, are they, where is, where's their ranking? So that can give you some level of like, oh, their training was pretty good. Um, finding new doctors in Florida has been really funny because I joke about this. Like, I, I just want to find somebody that didn't go to school in Turks Haiti? and Caicos or, <laughs> or. I don't know, somewhere in the Caribbean, you know, yeah. like, Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Yeah. No offense to those of you from the Caribbean, but just anyway. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm, I'm going to actually take what you just said, and I want to go back even further than that. Oh, right? good. Okay. And before you start to look, understand whether you have an HMO or a PPO plan. Yes. Not everybody. It's, it's yes. completely a waste of time to go look up people who are not accepting your particular form of insurance. Absolutely. Unless you have a lot of money and you want to pay out of pocket, then get a price ahead of time and pay out of pocket. But if you have an HMO, a health maintenance organization, you usually are assigned to a primary care physician that must see you for every issue and decide your treatment plan and decide whether it warrants a referral to a specialist. And if you go to a specialist on your own, you will be paying out of pocket. There's no exception to that rule. But if you go squeaky wheel gets the grease, it's very affordable to have a, a health maintenance organization. And, and a, you know, some of this depends, of course, on your own unique health issues. Yes. Um, if you don't have a lot of health issues, you go to a doctor once a year for a physical, yeah. maybe. Um, you know, it, <laughs> frankly, you're better off, in my opinion, my experience, it may be different yes. for you, but you're better off with an HMO because you're not going to the doctor that much. It doesn't really matter. And if you need to go to someone, you just pay out of pocket because they give you a reduced price. If you tell them it's cash. Right. Right. Or your emergencies are covered at a really high rate. So the reason why health insurance is so important, my primary care doctor will tell me is it's not for your general doctor. 
it's for your car accidents, yeah. your heart attacks, your aneurysms, your emergency where you have to be rushed via ambulance or helicopter to a hospital for an intensive. That's what will cause you to redefine your life financially in the United States is those huge car accident emergency types of treatment things. It's not usually your general checkup that that out of pocket could be $125 once a year, 150 once a year. Uh, it's not even in Beverly Hills. You can and, have <laughs> and and the, you know the other thing I, I ask people to uh, review, it's less about the doctor, you know, what's gonna kill you, what's gonna nickel and dime you every month are the prescriptions. Yes, those two. And check your prescription plan under each one and what's available. Because, you know, part of health advocacy, as far as I'm concerned, is also choosing a a decent pharmacy that that is responsive. Um, I like to do a lot of stuff online. So we choose choose our doctors who have portals online, Mm -hmm. uh, our particular pharmacy. When we need stuff, we get text messages, we can call Mm -hmm. them, et cetera. You get to ask for all these things. You yes. are not a victim of the system unless you choose to be. Right. And right. so I, I want to just give everybody some quick little additional context if you ever feel that mm-hmm. you're not getting what you want. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and it starts with, we know, I know we've talked about patient advocates. I just looked up my hospital mm-hmm. uh, where we are closest to, and they don't have a patient advocate. They have a patient experience liaison. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, but I just it's want the to same know thing. it might mm-hmm. be called different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a hold of the following if you have problems. The California Department of Public Health. Mm-hmm. I'm in California. Every state uh, has a Department of Public Health. Mm-hmm. The, the Joint Commission. Believe it or not, you can also get the Department of Fair Employment and Housing involved mm-hmm. if there's an issue. Mm-hmm. And then there's for each state here in California, we have the medical board. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot of options mm-hmm. if you will and simply say, not be afraid to confront people. <laughs> and I, I would say no matter what country you're in, you probably have a governing board probably. that oversees the licensure of your medical providers. I don't know what that'll be called. That could be your department of health, but Every country usually reports up into something worldwide, like uh, the World World Health Organization, and there are public health organiz- you know, agencies of whatever your government is that probably have resources. So for our international people, it might be a little more complicated firsthand. Um, and there are there are some complications with the, my mother's in Canada, so it, it's it can be complicated to try to handle medical care out of the country. Um, But no matter where you are in the world, let's say uh, the next thing I want you to know is how do I go into this doctor's appointment? I cannot tell you strongly enough that you must make a list. You must make a list of your general problems that are bullet pointed. You must have a list of your current medications and their doses, you know, and those names are not easy to remember. And for each problematic area in your body, I want to encourage you to find a pain scale number, zero pain, 10 being worst pain ever need to go to the emergency room. What is the average pain that this thing is causing you? And are you having it daily, all day, constant forever? Are you having it intermittently several times a week? Are you having it once a month? Like at least, and then try to describe your pain in concrete terms. They'll want to know, is it dull and achy? Is it sharp? Is it shooting? Is it stabbing? These kinds of words mean something to your medical professionals and it helps them diagnose what's going on with you. But you can't go in and say, how's my pain? Well, my pain is the color green or it's, you know, my pain is soft and fuzzy like a teddy bear. Like you have to use their words and their words are dull, achy, sharp, uh, stabbing, shooting. Those are their descriptors. And then is it periodic, meaning once a year? Is it intermittent? It comes and goes. Is it monthly? Is it weekly? Is it daily? Like have a list of all of those things. 
and prioritize them. What's the thing that's causing you the most problem today? And say like, I have a list of things I wanna cover with you. This is my biggest concern because it causes me the most interference. Oh, tree word, trick word. Uh, it interferes with my activities of daily living. Um, conditions that interfere with your activities of daily living, your ability to dress yourself, wash yourself, cook for you, drive, anything that interferes with working or activities of daily living, like so you can be an independent human, get a higher priority on treatment levels and approval through your insurance than if you're just like, oh, I get this random pain in my big toe on my left foot once a year and I don't know, but I'm fine and I do everything and it doesn't, they're not they're doing nothing. Yeah. They, they might look at it, but it's low priority. Um, you know, the, the, it's interesting that you bring that up because the, the next thing I want to tell people about is what we've been doing yeah. uh, with a few family members. Yes. Uh, there, you know, nothing replaces personal contact and, you know, telehealth obviously is part of our life now, but everybody's lives now. Uh, yes. But, you know, we can't go with certain family members all the time to healthcare right. visits. So we've been FaceTiming with the doctor in the appointment and we just you just tell them ahead of time hey i need to facetime so and so if you can't facetime then we at least phone call right. you can record the meeting yes just let them know right you don't want to record it right. surreptitiously because it's against the law here in california um <laughs> you, you you want to just tell them i need to record this because i can't do it alternatively uh you can on your phone take notes and I'm going to share with you guys a little trick that I use that has saved me so many times when I have gone to a doctor. And it's an app, at least on my iPhone, called ICE, I-C-E, in case of emergency. ICE standard, it's free. And on it, it's very similar to what you have already, but it's a specific app for this. You open this thing up. It's got your name. It's got your address. It's got your date of birth. It's got your sex, how you identify yourself, emergency contacts, health conditions, and most importantly, medications, allergies, and then there's a whole place to put your insurance. I showed up this last time I was there for my physical of all things. And I, I have a few medications that I take and they were using these terms. I said, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Here's what I'm on. And I held this thing up to them and they went, oh, and they literally just took everything off the phone. It was wonderful. Yes. Beautiful. Then you're not having a bunch of paper running around. Yeah, That's nobody, even better. Nobody's miscommunicating. And so again, it's ICE, ICE standard. It's free. And it's free. I love it. That's, I'm going to use that because that's, and I agree with you about the speakerphone. Like um, if you have a loved one whose memory is fading, the doctors will let you be on the phone. Like right. I have, I have people that are across state lines and across the country and I have to phone in. I can't go to every doctor appointment, but I can be a good advocate for my family members, even across state or, or uh, country lines, because I can absorb the medical information. I can take notes and I can help track and advocate and research. There's a lot that you can do for family members, even if you don't live locally. Yeah. The, so yeah. the last thing I know we're getting, it's, there's a lot to cover when we talk about this, but you know, one of the last things that I want to talk about, uh, I mentioned it at the beginning is Medicare, right? I am 64 yeah. turning 65. I like where I live. I like the doctors that I have. I like the plan that we're on and now they're going to take it away from me. I, you have no <laughs> choice in Cal in the United States. Oh. You turn 65, you must be on Medicare. Wow. Um, and because of that, yeah, Michelle says it like, wow, I didn't know you were that oh. old. Um, <laughs> and, and because of that, it's like, I want you to think about this, folks. You have insurance. You like your doctor. You like it, your hospital. You like life is working. And suddenly it's like, yeah, but we're now we're going to change it. And we're not going to just change it for you because your wife is not that old. Right. I'm old now <laughs> because your wife is not that old. She's going to have to have her own separate insurance. <sighs> and so. I, I was like, now what? Oh, fuck. It was literally oh, my wow. response. Yeah. Here's the beauty of this. Uh, I actually talked to one of my cousins who uh, works with and for a volunteer group. And I, I've been told that they have these all over the United States. For those of you uh, overseas, I apologize that this is US centric. Uh, but there's a company, for example, there are lots of them. This is called HICAP, H-I-C-A-P. 
It's called the Health Insurance Counseling and Advocacy Program. It is 100% free. They will walk you through different options. They will they will cut through all of. The, I mean, I be I be getting literally mail piece after mail piece asking me, join our Medicare program, do this, do this from all the different insurance carriers, from all the different brokers, and you can't sort through this. There is no way to sort between the Advantage programs and the, you know, this particular program. And the you're a lawyer. <laughs> you, you, you can't do it. And oh. so what these legal, quote, legal services, end quote, are, are there, they will be your advocate for you. And it costs you nothing. You couldn't pay them if you wanted to. I mean, you might be able to donate, but you couldn't be that they're doing this as a service and, that. and they will, what I've been told by the way, is it's too early for me. I don't turn 65 till January, come back in October and we will walk you through everything. Oh. And then you can call whoever you want. But the good news is you're probably going to be able to keep everything you want and just pay a whole lot less. Oh, and so I want everybody to know for those of you going through this and or going through open enrollment, there are actual advocates out there specifically designed to help you through all the bullshit. Wow. I love hearing that. And I hope that there are easy to find health advocacy groups like this in other states and in other countries, because that it, insurance is even for somebody like me who worked in it for 10 years, almost 10 years, maybe seven, um, even understanding your explanation of benefits when you're, and here's the other thing is the people in the billing offices at your doctors, they make mistakes and you want to look at your explanations of benefits and make sure that you are only paying the part that is listed as patient responsibility because your doctors and the healthcare facilities and blah, 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 they are contracted to accept that the rate that the insurance company pays and only bill you for the part that is patient responsibility. You can still right. call back and advocate for an adjustment and that kind of thing. But I've had to do that for myself where I've been billed, overbilled um, because of clerical errors on doctor's offices. And I discovered it because of really looking at my explanations of benefits from the insurance company. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you. Oh, in terms of retirement, I have some clients that are more than 65 and they're preparing for end of life. So let's go even beyond that. And so direct, I'll just say so you, you got directives, end of life dir directives and stuff. Yeah. Directives. But even before that, like having a plan for if you want to live in a senior center with less responsibility for caring for your house, there's also, let's say you're unmarried and you don't have children and et cetera. You can also hire an advocate, a geriatric advocate Absolutely. who will step in and advocate for you. Should you become incapacitated and unable to speak for yourself? And there's some really amazing social work providers out there that that's their specialty. So ask your, ask your doctor, ask your friends who have they used. It'll take some research, but it's great to have that all lined up before you lose the ability to make decisions for yourself. Yeah. And, and I guess the biggest lesson out of all of today is you've heard Michelle and I, you know, spouting off all these things. The reality <laughs> is you have more options and you have yes. more, uh, you have more power and responsibility than you yes. think you have. Yes. And if you're not getting the care or a loved one is not getting the care, you might have to work, you might have to confront, you might have to push a little, but there are, there are people out there, there are groups out there, there are nonprofits, there are volunteers uh, who know this better than you. So yes. bring, make them part of your, your support system. Yes. Beautiful. I hope this was helpful for those of you out yeah. there. And, uh, and it's okay if you have a long list of problems. When you go in for a first-time visit, it's okay to schedule a follow-up visit and and you know get to the things that are lower on your priority list. But in a second follow-up visit, you're allowed to do that. You know, it, I, I will tell you again, just as a quick little end here. When we moved, I had to get new healthcare providers <laughs> to to be here. Uh, I could not get into my primary care physician for the new patient. I know for, for eight months. Yep. 
but he got me in for, I, I had actually, I wound up with an injury uh, to my elbow working out. That's a whole nother issue. Uh, Scott tends to overdo it. I worked out and hurt my elbow. <laughs> got me right, got me right in, right? And he says, hey, I know you're coming back here. I know it's backed up, but it's new patient, blah, blah, blah. For my new patient, an hour and a half. And I went oh. in with, I went in with, a, a, amazing. I went in with, here are my concerns. Here's what I do. Uh, you know, I like to get a flu shot. I like to get now COVID shots. I like to, mm-hmm. I want to stay healthy and going and active. And so I had a whole list of things and he took the time to go through and list everything. And again, Beautiful. one of the big things for me is uh, I like the online portal part. And so part of that online portal, at least for this provider uh, is I can list all those things. So they knew going into this, there was actually a questionnaire. What are you concerned about? What do you want to make sure we cover, et cetera, et cetera. I could put all this in this online form. I didn't have to do anything. I showed up and said, okay, here's the checklist. He went, great, let's go through it. So you also want a doctor who's going to listen to you and has a good And And I have doctors who are my clients and nurses who are my clients. They so appreciate you taking the time to prepare for their visit so that they can get right down to business and, and help you in the best possible way. So you're, you're helping form a good relationship between you and your healthcare providers when you do uh, what we've shared today. Take. Patient advocacy is not a bystander sport. There you go. (laughs) Okay. Um, That brings us to the end of this next week on September 5th. I'm very excited about this because we're going to have a featured guest and he actually reached out to me Ah. uh, and and I have known this guest for years and I'll explain all that when we have him on, but we're going to do a show on the magic of cutting hair. (laughs) And it is all built around the fact that this featured guest was actually uh, my stylist for a photo shoot that I was doing. And we remained friends out of that. That should tell you how I handle my, my media stuff, right? Uh, (laughs) This individual was there and we just hit it off and we've been, we just see each other all the time now. So uh, he'll be on and we're going to talk about the magic of cutting hair. But it's not just for hairdressers and hairstylists to attend. It's it's for all of us to attend. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Kind of. Oh, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Although he although he's a (laughs) he was my stylist, so we'll leave it at that. (laughs) Love it. All right, folks. uh, Until next week, please remember to like, subscribe, and comment on your favorite uh, platform. And with that, thank you for listening to us. Thank you. Have a great one. Bye bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.